touch you tonight as you give an offering and tithe. And what a great way to start the year off again by just being obedient and stepping into giving in 2017. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, we're going to be in a little mini-series for the next two weeks in this month of January in a, uh, a fun book entitled Haggai, right? Some of you got nervous, like, oh man, where is that at in the Bible? Uh, it's, I'll just give you a little bit of help. It's between Zephaniah and Zechariah, okay? So in case you need some help there, if that helps you at all, uh, thank the Lord for mobile apps and for electronic Bibles. But we're going to be in the book of Haggai, or Haggai, however you want to say it. They're both acceptable. We're going to be talking uh, and telling a story. But before we, we get into that, I want to kind of set the mood and the tone of this as the offering's still being taken up. H- have, you ever, have you ever been uh, or thought this in your life? I thought I would be someplace else by this time in my life. Uh, I thought there'd be more, or maybe you thought things would be different. Uh, any, you don't have to raise your hand, but just kind of give me that social, yeah, I know what you're talking about, bro. I'm, I already got some hand waving going on. All right, so you, you're with me. I want to I set the tone for Haggai because I believe it's still applicable uh, all these hundreds of years later. And the truth of it is, you don't have to be uh, of upper age to think, man, I wish I was somewhere else, or I wish my life had unfolded differently or turned out differently. I mean, you could still be in college. There are probably college students in this room tonight that are going, you know, I thought by this time I'd pick a major, um, but I still don't have a clue why I'm here or why I'm going to this school. Or, or, or maybe you're saying, you know what, I just finished my degree and I thought by now I'd have a job that was paying, you know, triple what I thought I was going to make and it's just not happening. I'm still hanging out in, you know, working at amusement parks and, and I, I thought I graduated from that, all right? I went to college, I got a degree and, and maybe you're here going, I, I, I just, I thought I'd be further or maybe you are married and you're like, you know, I, th- I, I thought I would have a, a different kind of marriage. Maybe, maybe you use the word a better marriage than what I have. My, my marriage, what I thought I'm in right now is not what I thought it was going to be. And maybe you've thought that. I don't know. Or maybe you said, I, I was, we were hoping for, you know, kids would fill that void and we would, you know, be empty. And now you just, you're busy and you're broke because of kids, right? You're going, I, I thought that would be so much better and it's just, life's more complicated now. Uh, you have teenagers in your house and you're now cursing the day you had those kids, okay? Uh, I, I don't know where you're at. Or maybe you're further along and you've said, you know, yeah, I thought that um, I tried this whole religion thing. I thought I'd go to, 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 to church and, you know, check the box and show up and nothing really changed. And because nothing really changed, I, I thought I'd be better or different, but I didn't really, you know, it was religion. It really wasn't a relationship with God. It was just this whole church thing. And, and you found that even, even church, I, I thought I'd be different. I thought I'd feel different or I thought I'd be further along in development or growth or whatever. That's kind of how we want to just set the mood tonight because that's exactly what was going on in the book of Haggai. And in case you don't know anything about the book of Haggai, don't worry. Uh, we're we're, we're going to learn this stuff together. Is that all right? Uh, whether this is your hundredth time reading this two-chapter book or, or this is your first time even hearing the word Haggai. You thought I was talking about some kind of fish. Uh, it doesn't matter. We're going to go on this journey together over the next two weeks in this small Old Testament 
book. But this is the general story of what's going on in Haggai. The, the people of Israel, I want to give you a little bit of the backstory. The people of Israel, this has been where they've been. Uh, in the fourth year of King Solomon, one of the greatest kings of Israel, besides his father David, uh, one of the greatest kings, built one of the most magnificent temples known to the modern world at that time. I mean, it was uh, the ancient world at that time. It was one of the most beautiful, I mean, gold and gaudy and huge. He built this as a memorable to himself, but also to say this is the house of the Lord and it needs to be grand. And they had built this, I mean, just immaculate, marvelous building unto the Lord. And then several years after he died, the people of God, the Israelites, forgot who they built that temple for and turned their ways towards worshiping wooden idols and idols made of hand and completely abandoned the Lord. And so God allowed a series of things to happen in order to bring his children back to him because they had lost their way. And so I put some bullet points in the app. I put some bullet points in the notes just to kind of get us a historical journey to where we're going to be at in this book and where Haggai comes in in the historical chronological idea of, uh, of the Bible. So in 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army crushed the southern kingdom of Judah where this temple was, took the entire city, ransacked it, and then just for embarrassment, tore down this most magnificent temple that they had built. I mean, spent years building this thing, cost them billions. That's what they say in modern times. It would have been a billion-dollar facility. So the Cowboy Stadium had nothing on the King Solomon's temple. I mean, billion with a B. And this king, Nebuchadnezzar, and his army comes in, destroys the, the, the entire nation, and then says, and, you know, let's tear down this beautiful temple too. Why not? We're here. Let's do that. And they do. And they ransack the temple, the thing that is the true, I mean, it's the identity of the Jewish people. It's their God. It's a representation of where he lives, and he lived in this. It was where the Holy of Holies was, and it literally gets ripped out like it was a cardboard box. And this king uh, destroys the whole thing. Second point in your notes is that the Jews, at that point, were then taken into captivity for decades, all right? Uh, uh, they, minimum 50 years, some say 70, because they were kind of already in this captivity before the, the thing was, uh, the, the, the temple was torn down. But at least 50 years, for five decades, they're in captivity. Now, I'm not anywhere near 50, all right? So, um, but, but I'm 35 years old, and I would say that my kids would have been born in captivity, okay? So I'm trying to think of what it would be like if my kids were born. They would never know freedom. They'd never know the life that I had when I was a kid. But for the past 50 years, we've been slaves. We've been in captivity, not able to worship the God that our, of our ancestors, of our fathers, not able to have our own homes. We've been taken from our land to a foreign land. That's the scene that's going on right here. And by the mercy of God, here's what happens. In 583 BC, about 50,000 people were allowed to go back, and home, back, go, go back to Jerusalem and to the capital to rebuild. Can you imagine? After 50 years, you have thought about nothing more but to go home and reboot and restart and rebuild God's house. You saw it fall in with your own eyes. Your generation saw it. I mean, it's down. And for the past 50 years, you, your heart has been aching and burning and hurting for the fact that this most wonderful temple was torn down in your lifetime. And then you're given the hope you get to go back and you get to rebuild the temple. You get to rebuild the homes, that's 
the scene. And so they do. The Israelites start building. In Ezra, we see, in Nehemiah, we see, they start building the temple. They start getting it back together. And then when they start, something happens. They get opposition right away. I mean, the Samaritans that were there were like, no, no, you guys have been gone. No, we're not going to allow you to do this. There's this opposition that takes place. And they stop working on the temple. They got like the foundation going, right? A little bit of the altar. And then they stop. Now, how long did they stop? For 14 years, they started. And then for 14 years, they did nothing. The temple sat in ruins. Now, remember, how long were they in captivity? 50 years. For 50 years, their hearts burned and churned to be able to go back home and rebuild this temple. I mean, that's something they were passionate about. And so they get to do it. And then when they get there, it starts getting really tough and really difficult. So they stop. And they don't just stop for like a week. It's not like they had a bad rain week, right? It's like, oh, it's raining. We just need to put the you know, construction on pause because everyone knows when it rains, you can't build anything. No, it wasn't like a week. It was for another 14 years went by when the house of God stayed in ruins. No effort. No prayers went up in the house of the Lord. No progress at all. But there was something that happened during that 14 years. It was hard to build the temple. What we see in Scripture is the people of God went about and started to build their own homes. Well, wait. I thought it was hard. I thought it was hard to build the temple of God. It was, but Scripture tells us they started building their own homes. And we're going to pick up, and that's where God raises Haggai to go back to his people and say, Listen, uh, guys, well, you've lost focus and, and you started building your KB homes over here. Like you need to come back and you need to get back on board with what we were doing. And God raises up the person of Haggai and that's where we're going to start in verse 1 and verse 2. And in verse 2, God enters the conversation through the prophet Haggai. He's a minor prophet, all right? Getting towards the ends of the Old Testament, the minor guys are there. And, and God's going to speak something pretty, I think it's a little funny. You may, see if you can pick up on the humor on how God addresses. We're talking about the people of Israel, and God is about to address them in verse 2. The Bible says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. D- did you get it? Did you, did you catch it? The humor? I, I think it's funny. I don't know about you, but my wife and I have kids. And, and sometimes when those kids misbehave, right, uh, we start trading ownership on whose kids they are. You, you, ever, you ever done that? Anybody else guilty of that? You know, when, when they do something, you know, I've heard this phrase, and I've said this phrase, so it's two-way street. Uh, do you know what your kids did today, right? God in this story, I don't know if you picked it up, but he's talking about the people of Israel, and what does he say? These people, everybody say, these people. God starts off and goes, these people, they're not my people anymore. I don't know what's going on with them. These people say, it's not time to build a temple, but they're building their own homes. He said, these people, and I love that. These people, not my people. And, and, I, and he starts saying, you know, they're not, they're not a part of me. They're, they're, they're not rebuilding the house. These people, they're not from me. They don't, they don't get it. They've said the time is not yet come. And it's interesting. The time has not yet come. That's what they said. The time has not yet come for us to rebuild the temple. Well, why? Why was the time not yet there? Why wasn't it time? Because it was hard. And we faced opposition, Haggai. You don't understand. It was difficult. Those Samaritans, they made fun of us. They, they picked on us. They, they said us, called us bad names. It was hard. And so because it was hard, they stopped working. Now, I'm going to pause and just interject the truth. 
Sometimes we think that when God asks us to do something and we face opposition, we think that we're supposed to stop. We're just supposed to halt. Oh, this is hard. Oh, I'm scared. Uh, I'm supposed to, that means, if it's hard, that means I'm just supposed to back away. I'm not supposed to do anything. God would never let it be hard in my life. God would never allow me to go through a challenging season. I, I just want to interject the truth here. The reality is, the more I am involved with what God is doing on the forefront of his kingdom, the more opposition I'm going to face. Because the enemy does not want it to advance. The enemy does not want God's kingdom to be successful. So guess where the enemy lives? Right on the front line as we begin to push and as we begin to advance in our faith. So I would dare say that if you're not in opposition, that's a little bit more scary because I'm never afraid when I've got opposition. That means I'm probably doing something God asked me to do. It's when I don't have in the opposition when I'm in the lazy river just kind of floating through life going this is nice and I have nothing hurt me that I start to check my spirit and go maybe I'm not doing enough what God has asked me to do and so maybe someone whispered into your heart one time that Christianity is supposed to be easy the reality is no the Bible says that the battle is the Lord's he didn't say the cruise ship and the enjoying life no he said the battle is the Lord's it's gonna be tough so I just want to interject the truth right there when you face opposition, it could be God saying, God giving you the opportunity to put trust in him and put faith in him. It's not always the enemy. It's not always the devil trying to stop. Sometimes it is, but sometimes God allows that. The closer I get to do what God wants me to do, sometimes the more opposition I face. And so I, I think there are people in this room at the beginning of 2017 that God is going to ask you to do some stuff. God is going to ask you to build some things. God is going to ask you to go back to work. God is going to ask you to begin to start some stuff. And, and the reality is, I want to encourage you with this uh, one statement. My whole message is one point tonight, all right? So it's very simple. If you don't get it, you got to rewind and just, it's one phrase. Don't miss it. Here it comes. Because if you miss it, you're going to miss the rest of the whole night, all right? It's one phrase, one point, And I'm going to speak to that the rest of the night. When it gets difficult, and that usually is a sign that you're going in the right direction, Amen. I'm going to encourage you to do one thing. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong this year. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. With God's help in 2017, I pray that you would step into 2017 and the things that God has for you to choose to do the hard right versus the easy wrong. What are you talking about? See, it's, it's easy to keep your sin a secret. It's both hard and right to confess our sins one to another and to the Lord. You know, it's easy to, to keep, you know, getting that credit card out and charging up you know, all of 2017 and living it back up. What's hard and right to do is to live in your means and not have to rely on such devices of this world. You know, what's hard, I mean, what's easy, it's easy to hold a grudge, but what's hard and right is to forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. I'm going to challenge you that in 2017 that we choose the hard right versus the easy wrong. It's easy to follow the crowd. What's hard and right is to stand up against the enemy's plans over your life. All right? So choose the hard right over the easy wrong. It's easy to be discouraged and want to give up when it gets tough. But it is both hard and right to put your trust and to persevere 
and what it is God is calling you to do. So let's just pause for a moment. And I want you to think about something. I want you to think, maybe, maybe there was an unfinished assignment that God deposited into your heart last year. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was during 24 prayer. Maybe it was during that moment. Maybe it was 14 years ago. I don't know. But it sat dormant. Maybe, maybe it was you were supposed to talk to that person about your faith at the workplace. And you just kind of put it off. It just got hard. Opposition, they moved it to a different section of the job or a different cubicle, and it wasn't as easy. But you felt in your spirit God had assigned you to go speak to that individual. Maybe it was you were supposed to give something extravagantly last year. Pastor came before us, and we put some plans and some projects in Haiti and different projects throughout the year. And, and you felt the Holy Spirit say, now is my time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into this, and I'm going to be obedient. But it got hard because you saw the zeros that God put on your heart. And it was opposition. And you decided to say, wait, uh, it's not time. And you put it on pause. Maybe, maybe there was something you were supposed to start, a ministry. Ministry you were supposed to start here at Westover Hills. Maybe we've been, we've been waiting for you to step into that. Ministry to single moms or ministry to single dads. I, I don't know, but the Holy Spirit, just for a moment, I want everybody to do this. And we're going to pause. We're going to think, what is that unfinished assignment? What is that thing that the Holy Spirit whispered to us? Could have been last year. Could have been a decade ago. But what was it that God whispered into us that we just kind of said, uh, you know what? It's not time. It's not time. It's not time to do this. Why? Because it's hard and it's difficult. I, I can't be, I can't step into the ministry. I can't serve. I can't join a, 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 a life group this year because it's just been difficult. I've just got divorced and what am I, I have to tell my story over and over again. What is it that the Holy Spirit has begun to birth inside of you and say, you know, start this, do this, be involved with this, step into this. And we have said, it's not time. This new year and these two series, two weeks we're going to talk about, this is kind of the, for the rest of this message, this is what I want you to this, have in your spirit. I came here to tell you, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to build the house. It was time for them to go back and leave what they were doing and build the house of the Lord. This year, 2017, it is time for you to step into the thing that God birthed in you when you were in middle school or when you were a teenager, or when you were in your 20s. God is going to begin to allow you to step into a season that you've never experienced before because you're going to finally obey and step in. It's time. That's what I came to tell you in this series through the book of Haggai. That's what Haggai stood up in his generation and said, we've done all these other things and we've put it off and it's been hard, but I'm telling my generation, it's Time. College students, we said this a few weeks ago. It's not when you get out of college. It's not when you get married. It's not when you get a pension. No, the time is now. It's time for you to step into all that God has for you. It's time for you to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life leading you. It's time. I love how God responds to his people. Verse 3, I mean, the very next verse, he's just like, hey, these people, I don't even know if they're my people. They're saying it's not time. I'm saying it's time. Okay, and we're going to pick it up. Here's what he says. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai again, and it says, Is it a time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Some of you thought only your grandparents had panel houses, right? No, this was all the way back. Panel housing goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It was there, and it's still around, unfortunately. All right. Uh, 
it says, listen, is it time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, God's house, remains in ruin? Now verse 5. Now this is what the Lord says, and he's going to say this about three other times in this small two chapters. Here's what I want us to think about as we go through the rest of this, this time together. Give careful thought to your ways. Some of you are saying, yeah, but he don't know how hard it was last year. He don't know how difficult. He doesn't even know why I stopped pursuing that dream that God, he just doesn't know. Listen, here's what the word of God says to you tonight. Give thought, give careful thought to where you're thinking. Give careful thought to how you're moving and how you're operating. Living in their panel houses, we, 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 uh, have as pastors, we have these things called commentaries that, you know, other really smarter guys than us write about the Bible, and we can read those things and read. I thought panel housing is interesting. My grandma had panel housing in her mobile home. Like, what are we talking about here, Lord? What kind of panel housing? And I, I, the commentator that I read today was that it's really like the high-end living of their time. We're talking about like granite cabinets, you know, like if it was today, the 50-inch the, the plasma or LED you know, it's, it's that kind of house, the house that's got the wood floor. It's high in living. These guys thought it was hard to build a temple, so they went and started building luxury homes for themselves. And God's going, what is going on here? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. God is not against you having things, but he is against things having you. All right? He's not, about, he's not against you having awesome things and, and, and expensive things, but he is about those things having you. No, that's not for him. And he's totally not about you putting those things or me putting those things in the, ahead of him in life. And sometimes we're guilty, and we have not changed as a people of this earth. These people didn't have anything but donkeys and, you know, and, and vegetables to trade. And, and they're having the same problems we have when we have iPhones and flat screen TVs. Sometimes we just put things in front of God. But this is more important. I know you want me to give to them orphans in Haiti, but I got to get a new car. I got a new cell phone. I got to get that new surround sound system for my house. Like, even then they struggle with this and we have, it's still no different. It's so amazing to me how God's word is still relevant today. See, God is not about us having night. He's not, he's not against it, but he doesn't want us to put those things in front of him. And that's exactly what the Israelites were doing. They had said, we'll put the things of God off and we'll go tend to our own things. We've got to build our own paneling houses, our own nice homes. That's hard, so we'll wait. And Haggai says, no, it's, it's time. So think about this. In what area of your life, my life, and maybe I or maybe you are putting God second, Putting him third, fourth. Listen, I love football. I said that on Sunday. I love football. It's awesome. But you know where I'll be on Sunday, February 5th? I'll be right here in the house of the Lord. Because no game is worth me missing out on what God wants to speak to me. Listen, sometimes we do that in our culture. Some things just become so much more important. So much more important. Can I just speak? Listen, I know I have college students in here. That's why I speak this word to you. I know, listen, academics are important, but they're not the most important thing in your life. God is. I know you want to find a spouse like something awful. I mean, it's like money burning in your pocket. You just wish you had a wedding ring on it. Listen, it's important, but it's not the most important thing in your life. It can't be. That space is already reserved for his truly for God to come into our life. Sometimes we pick comfort over calling. God, I'm more comfortable than what I am stepping into my calling. Sometimes we do that. We pick my house over God's house. Figuratively and sometimes literally. Sometimes we're consumed with us rather than being consumed with others. Right? Come on, let's be honest. The word of the Lord in the house tonight is it's time. 
It's time. It's time to change all that. It's time to give careful thoughts to our ways. And this next verse, when you read it in, in Haggai chapter 1, verse 6, it's almost like a, like a ouch, God, like for real. You already called me these people. Now you're going to say this to like, It feels a little like, takes your breath away because it's so close to home. Here's what verse 6 says. The God's still speaking through Haggai. See if this, right here. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never fill, never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Come on, did that describe your 2016? Like, everything, I worked hardcore all year and nothing to show for it. I got on three extra jobs and I still work paycheck to paycheck. I'm filling my life with all this kind of stuff. I, I searched this relationship to this relationship and I still feel empty on the inside. Come on, isn't that just right here? Like God is saying, I know you and I've been watching you. And when you put things in front of me, here's what happens. Emptiness, void. I've gotten so much more. We got three more TVs in our house, but I still feel empty. I added 17 more followers on social media, but I still feel lonely. Come on. Doesn't that just... In the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? <laughs> to me, it's just like, oh... Thank you, Lord. You already called me these people. You already, uh, now you're just reading my mail. Now you're just you're speaking right to my heart. Give careful thought to your ways. It's time. Here's what the Lord says in verse 7. This is what God says. Listen, I'm going to end with this. We're going to wrap this up here in a second. It says, give careful, he's going to say it again. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So we've all been there. We've all been to this place where like, God, it's just hard and it's difficult and you don't understand. And, and then we hear the Lord speak to us tonight and say, it's time. And you go, yeah, but I still got all those stuff. And, and then Haggai presents to us tonight. God just says, go to the mountain, get the timber, build a house. Okay, did you miss it? Uh, go up the mountain. Get the timber. Build the house. But you know what we do when God tells us it's time? Right? We go, well, that's great, God. I mean, I'm glad it's super simple. And there's step one and step two and step three. But what I'm really wanting to see is like step five, step six, step seven. You've got to map it all out for me. I've got to, you know, we want to be so complex with God. And he's like, it's simple. Go up to the mountain, get the wood, and start building. But what do we do? We complicate it. And God's like, it's so simple. Doesn't the word of God say, listen, your word is a lamp to my feet? It doesn't say it's the sun and I can see everything that you're doing. It says you're a lamp and your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Sometimes God doesn't reveal all of it. He just says, will you trust me with the simple one, two, three, and then I'll lay out five, six, seven, and I'll lay out nine, 10, and 11. I'll guide you the whole way. I will. His word is a lamp into our feet. 
And I love the verse that says we walk by what and not by what? We walk by faith and not by sight. But some of us, we do that. Okay, God, I know it's time. I know you want me to, to abandon this and start building this in my life. I know it's time to start this ministry and, and get involved in this relationship because I've been lonely and miserable. I know you want me to do something, but i got to know all the plans. And God's going, it's simple. Go, get the, go up the mountain, get the trees, and build the building. But we complicate things. So I asked this last question. How do you follow through with God's plan? How do, you, how do you do it? Step by step. Step by step. You just, okay, I did it. All right, take the next one. I did it. Okay, all right, God. Next thing you know, you're nowhere where you were when you started 2017. You're in a different, completely different place. It doesn't start by going, and leaping. It's just, sometimes it's just a, I'm going to go up the mountain. I'm going to find them trees. I'm going to start building. Sometimes it's that simple. You say, well, I want to get out of debt this year. Okay. Don't make it complicated. Live on a budget. Don't spend more than you make. Start paying down your debt. Well, I want to lose weight. My wife and I, that's us right now. We're just, we're, we're done. We're done feeling like we got to be rolled out of bed sometimes. Like, we're done. You're like, dude, I, personally, I'm heavier than I've ever been in my whole life. And I've been, I used to pray that I would gain weight. And I'm like, Lord, what did I, I'm sorry. I prayed the wrong prayer. <laughs> Back up. You're too faithful. You're too faithful. <laughs> he said, I, I want to do it. It's time. I need to do it. I've been talking about it. I've been putting it off. God's been speaking to me. I need to honor the Lord in my body. I've been unfaithful with that in my life. I've been, I've been just eating however I want. Eat healthy. Exercise. I know it sounds, but, 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 but it's hard. I know. Lose weight. But my marriage is awful, and it's just, we're just like, we're like at the, we're literally, we're just like a car wreck, and I mean, we're like pulling body parts out. We're just, we're, we're dead. I mean, it's done. We're at the end. Listen, don't make it complicated. Ask for repentance to your spouse. Humble yourself. Say you're sorry, and then do the things you did when you were first dating, like buy her flowers. I'm, I'm listening to myself, babe. I know. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> she always tells me, you preach messages that we need to hear in our family. I know. It's, it's for me. But we try to complicate it, right? We try to make it all challenging. And God's like, no, 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 listen. I will guide you. That's why the Holy Spirit was given to us, to guide us into all truth. Lead us into that moment. It's time. It's time to step into this. So I'll leave you with this last point. This is my last, I guess this is a point. I guess I had two points. I'm sorry, I had two points. Listen, the way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. It's time. It's time to build what God has been putting on your heart to build. It's time to step into that new career. It's time to step into that relationship. You've been so afraid. Just, just go ask him out, okay? Or go ask her out. Excuse me, don't ask him. He needs to ask you. All right, sorry. Sorry. Go ask her out. Be bold. Be courageous. God is going to go with you. God is going to see to it. It's, it's, and here's what we get nervous about, right? But what if it doesn't work, right? I'm that way. Okay, maybe I'm just me. Like, what if it fails? Here's what I've learned about God. <laughs> this is going to set somebody free tonight because it totally set me free. God is involved in the outcome. That's his. Our part, 
is obedience. That's it. I just have to obey, go up the mountain, get the trees, and start building. The outcome is God's. That's his responsibility. He's never told us, it's your job to fix this and save this and solve this. He just said, trust me. Okay, I'm going to be obedient. It's God's is the outcome. Mine's is just obedience. Don't be stressed out about the outcome. You give that to the Lord. You just step into what you can do and what I can do, and that's be obedient tonight. It's time. I'm going to consider my ways, and I'm going to choose the hard right over the easy wrongs in life. It's easy to follow the ways of the world. It really is. Sometimes too easy, right? We find ourselves going, how did I, how did 14 years go by? And we haven't even touched the thing God wanted us to touch. We haven't even started, we haven't, it's been a decade, been on, it's been a decade, I'm not going to say it. it's been on, de- it's been a decade since you did this last time. It's been years since you even thought about that dream God placed on you. It's easy to just follow the world. So tonight, this is the reflective moment. I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. When the word of God is preached, it is appropriate for the heart to respond. That's what this moment is. We're, we're just going to allow all that to just sink down and go, wow, that's all in Haggai and it's only two chapters? And yeah, we got a whole other sermon. But let this sink in. It's time. It's time. It's time. You've been putting it off. You've been saying next year, when, when I make more money, when I lose a little weight, when, when, when this happens in my job, when, you know, when, 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 when. It's time. We're going to start this year with that phrase in our spirit. It's time. And the first thing you ought to have on your heart, it's time to come together. It's time to do life together. It's time to stop being alone from Pastor Jim's message on the weekend. It's time to stop being silent in worship. It's time to worship freely. Whatever that resonates in your spirit, but the Holy Spirit is doing it individually. This is not the same for every single person, but individually what the Holy Spirit can do, I can't do. He's speaking right to your heart and saying, it's time for this, and he's unlocking the mystery. It's time, it's time. Watching online, listen, we're glad you watch online. But maybe God's been saying, that's been a crutch for you. It's time to come to church. It's time to be in a physical building. I don't know. Maybe it's time for you to share the link with somebody. You've been watching this whole time, but you don't share it with anybody. Stop experiencing this alone. It's time. Whatever it is, let the Holy Spirit come out. Father God, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would do what I cannot do. And that's begin to speak and turn and turn the heart of men. That's not up to me, God. That's up to your word. And your word in this specific story is it's time. It's time today, not 10 years from now, not when the year year ends, not when we're in December and we're writing all resolutions for next year. No, it's time today to step into it. You're going to be with us. And I pray, I pray you would give us the courage to do the hard right. When everybody else is doing the easy wrong, give us the strength of the Holy Spirit. Empower us to choose the hard right. Maybe in this moment with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you're going, you know what? I've never chosen the ultimate right. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my, my Lord and Savior. Like, that's the ultimate right. The ultimate right is to say that you can't do this on your own and to open your mind and your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. You died on the cross. I have sin. It separates from me and you, and I need Jesus in my life. And tonight, you could choose a hard right. It really isn't 
hard in itself. It may be hard to play out in life, but it's not hard in the, in the process. Jesus says, let's make this open and available to everybody tonight. Maybe you're in this room watching online. You're like, you know, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And tonight you want to choose him. You want to choose him. At the beginning of this year, it's time. You said, I'll wait for the perfect moment. That's right now. It's right now. And you're here and you're saying, that's me. I, I, I need Jesus to be Lord and Savior. Will you just, with heads bowed and eyes closed, will you just lift your hand and say, I'm ready to make the heart right tonight. I'm ready to choose the ultimate right in my life. Yeah, I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Go ahead. God sees your hands. Listen, the scripture says, it's not hard. The scripture says, you got to acknowledge, you got to admit, I need Jesus. That's what we're doing right now. We're just admitting. We can't do this on our own. And then you got to believe with your heart, faith in Christ is where salvation comes into play. And then we got to confess with our mouth that he is who he says he is. He's Lord and Savior of our lives. And I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer tonight. And if you're not accepting Jesus Christ in this moment, here's what you can pray. Lord, show me what it's time for. Show me. Remind me. Bring it to memory tonight as I lead these who raised their hand in this room to the Lord. Those of you that raised your hand, listen, there's something powerful about speaking out of your mouth that says, those who call upon the name of the Lord, we're going to do that. We're going to call. We're going to speak from our mouth. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You could repeat after me and say my words, or you could say your own words. The key is admitting that you need Jesus, believing in your heart that he is who he says he is, and confessing him as Lord and Savior tonight. We're going to do that all over this room. Those of you that already know Jesus, <laughs> seek him and what it is it's time for in your life. Father, I come before you because I have sin in my life and I'm broken. And I need your son, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins. He died on the cross for them. He took my payment upon himself. And so tonight, I admit that I need Jesus because I have sin in my life. I need him. And I believe that what he did on the cross and his resurrection is true. And I believe that he is who he says he is, the son of God the savior of my sins, the forgiver of my sins. And I confess with my mouth that he is the Lord and savior. I invite you, Jesus, into my life to be the Lord, capital L, leader of my heart and the savior of my life. And today, I choose the hard right over the easy wrong. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.